the ocean inside him. After Kenji Takezo fell from a wave, the turbulence of whitewash confused his sense of direction. He breathed in when he should have held tight. By accident, he swallowed the Pacific. The water poured down his throat, a blue cascade he could not see. He felt in his stomach the heavy life of the ocean. It wasn't funny, but he giggled when a school of fish tickled his ribs. He went home, the surf not rideable. It was no longer there. The water waited in his belly. That night, while he slept, the tide moved. The long arms of the moon reached inside him, pulling the Pacific free. When he woke the next morning, he lay in a puddle of ocean that was his. Water hollows stone. Wind scatters water. Stone stops the wind. Water, wind, stone. Wind carves stone. Stones, a cup of water. Water escapes and is wind. Stone, wind, water. Wind sings in its whirling. Water murmurs going by. Unmoving stone keeps still. Wind, water, stone. Each is another and no other, crossing and vanishing through their empty names. Water, stone, wind. And this from the Tao Te Ching. Therefore, the master acts without doing anything and teaches without saying anything. Things arise and she lets them come. Things disappear and she lets them go. She has but doesn't possess, acts but doesn't expect. When her work is done, she forgets it. That is why it lasts forever. Fill your bowl to the brim and it will spill. Keep sharpening your knife and it will blunt. Chase after money and security, and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval, and you will be their prisoner. Do your work, then step back, the only path to serenity. He who stands on tiptoe doesn't stand firm. He who rushes ahead doesn't go far. He who tries to shine dims his own light. He who defines himself can't know who he really is. He who has power over others can't empower himself. He who clings to his work will create nothing that endures. If you want to accord with the way, just do your job, then let go. In pursuit of knowledge, every day something is added. In the practice of the way, every day something is dropped. Less and less do you need to force things until finally you arrive at non-action. When nothing is done, nothing is left undone. 
true mastery can be gained by letting things go their own way. It can't be gained by interfering. Men are born soft and supple. Dead, they are stiff and hard. Plants are born tender and pliant. Dead, they are brittle and dry. Thus, whoever is strict and inflexible is a disciple of death. Whoever is soft and yielding is a disciple of life. The hard and stiff will be broken. The soft and supple will prevail. Taoism, the tradition we are exploring today and this month at People's Church as I, we learn about the wisdom traditions of the world and make our way around our quilt that we have hanging in the front, begins with a story, probably a mythic story. Lao Tzu was a wise philosopher and archivist who, if he lived, and there are questions about that, lived in the 6th century before the Common Era in China. He had grown disenchanted with society, and he was ready to hit the road and wander. So he set off towards the west, riding a water buffalo. When he reached the western border, the border guard, somehow sensing Lao Tzu's insight, stopped him and would not let him leave the country until he had recorded all his wisdom. Lao Tzu took three days, wrote down all he knew, and gave the border guard a slim text called the Tao Te Ching, which translates as the way and its power. Lao Tzu was never seen again, so the story goes, but that little book lived long after him. It became widely influential in China and East Asia, and is the second most translated book in the world after the Bible. There is much in the text that is worth pondering, that is worthy of our attention. I encourage you to pick up a copy. It's short, you can read it in a few hours and ponder it for a lifetime. The piece of wisdom that I want to hold up for us today is Wu Wei. Wu Wei, and for those of you who are visual learners, that's transliterated as two words, W-U and W-E-I, is one of the aspirations of Taoism. It's a way of being that translates literally as non-action, translating the phrase in a way that captures its full meaning is much, much harder there are nearly as many attempts to translate it into English as there are scholars who discuss it. So English language renderings include creative letting be, creative quietude, actionless activity, spontaneity, effortlessness, flowing with the moment, and pure effectiveness. Perhaps you've noticed the contradictions in those phrases. What is creative about letting be? What is actionless activity? 
Let's step back for a moment and talk about the context. It's important to note that in China, Taoism emerged in tension and in opposition to Confucianism, which some of you might remember as the religion we explored in November. Lao Tzu, the perhaps mythic founder of Taoism, lived, if he, if he lived, about a generation before the very real Confucius. The two traditions have been in conversation with each other since their beginnings, and then Buddhism joined in when it made its way to East Asia a few centuries later. A strange thing happened, or at least a strange thing for those of us with a Western mindset. Most of us in the West think that people can have one religion at most, although there are a few people carving out new ways of being. In East Asia, most people assumed multiple religious identities. They didn't see a reason to have only one religion. Consequently, the theological arguments did not become an either-or proposition. The people said both and. People claim multiple traditions all at once. There's a saying that Chinese are Confucians at work, Taoists at leisure, and Buddhists at death. And no one feels contradiction in that. That is the way of being. The idea of claiming only one religion is not part of how people conceive of religion there. Those of you who are at the services I led about Confucianism a few months ago heard me reflect on two Confucian values, the value of education and the value of relationship. The Confucian tradition argues that we are our best selves when we are civilized, when we are in community with one another, when we are educated about specific spiritual ways of being, when we know what is expected of us and meet those expectations. That is what leads to human flourishing. That is what makes us the best people we can be. And the Taoist tradition completely disagrees. The Taoists assert that we are our best selves when we shed those trappings of civilization and become the most natural, spontaneous, intuitive versions of ourselves. We should not be constrained by society's expectations, but in touch with our most authentic, most natural selves. The tradition believes that we have inherent wisdom within us, and getting in touch with that is what makes us the best versions of ourselves. Formal education, hierarchies, roles, expectations take us away from that natural goodness that's within us. And civilization's attempts to cultivate goodness often backfire, which leads us back to this idea of wu-wei, of creative letting be, spontaneity, and non-action. The metaphors most often used to describe Wu Wei, both in ancient texts and by the Western scholars seeking to translate these ideas to new audiences, are water metaphors. Perhaps you've caught that theme in our service today. Wu Wei means flowing like water, becoming like water in the way water doesn't have intention but has tremendous power. Water imagery is throughout the Tao Te Ching. The fifth chapter, which is entitled Water, includes this passage. 
The supreme good is like water, which nourishes all things without trying to. It is content with the low places that people disdain. Thus, it is like the way. Nothing in the world is as soft and yielding as water. Yet for dissolving the hard and inflexible, nothing can surpass it. The soft overcomes the hard. The gentle overcomes the rigid. Everyone knows this is true, but few can put it in practice. How might we put this in practice? How might we cultivate the virtue of Wu Wei, the virtue of water? The Western scholars who describe Eastern religions to Western audiences use these use similar water metaphors in their explanations of Wu Wei. Houston Smith writes, of all the natural elements, it was water that impressed the Taoists most. They admired the way it supports objects and carries them effortlessly on its tide. Poor swimmers flail against it, while good swimmers float motionlessly, knowing that it will support them if they don't fight it. Then again, water is unobtrusive and adaptive, it assumes the shape of its containers and seeks out the lowest places. Yet despite its accommodations, it subdues what is hard and brittle. Its currents carve canyons from granite and melt the hills we call eternal. Infinitely supple, yet incomparably strong, these virtues of water are precisely those of Wu Wei. The person who embodies them works without working. He acts without strain, persuades without argument, is eloquent without flourish, and gets results without coercing. A leader is best when people barely know that he exists. Of a good leader, when his work is done, the people will say, we did this ourselves. Smith concludes, a final characteristic of water that makes an appropriate analog to Wu Wei is the clarity it attains through calmness. Muddy waters let stand will clear. Stephen Prothrow, another Western scholar of world religions, uses surfing as his water metaphor of choice. He writes, Someone once explained Wu Wei to me in terms of the choices that present themselves to a surfer. Bobbing up and down in the ocean, she has three ways to proceed. She can force things by paddling to shore, which is intentional action. She can sit there and drift, which is non-action. Or she can catch a wave, wu-wei. My colleague David Eckel tells me that the best metaphor for wu-wei is water that effortlessly runs downhill. Falling water exhibits the Taoist virtue of ziran, which literally means self-so but typically refers to acting spontaneously or letting things take their natural course. How might we cultivate this Wu Wei in our lives? The Taoist sages would probably laugh at the idea of intentionally trying to be more spontaneous, of bringing effort to our quest for effortlessness, if we wanted a whole life defined by spontaneity, creative letting be, and actionless action, 
we might need to head west and follow Lao Tzu's example on that buffalo. But that is not how most people live Taoism then or now. They live it in combination with Confucian teachings, including that we should be in relationship, in community, and improving ourselves through education. Perhaps it is better to begin by noticing the moments of Wu Wei that are already part of our lives. When do you experience creative quietude, effortlessness, spontaneity, acting without intention? Many of us find our moments like this in moments of creation or other absorbing work. Writing, making art, acting, playing, dance, anything that requires our full attention can provide these moments of wu wei. In our culture, we might think of these moments as being in the zone, or to use a term popularized by Hungarian psychologist Mihaly Mihaly flow. He coined this term after a number of people that he interviewed spoke about these experiences using the metaphor of being carried along in a current. It's not quite the same as Wu Wei, but flow shares the same unselfconscious, spontaneous, not focused on outcomes way of being. For me and for many, moments like this involve improvisation whether formal or informal. My ministerial formation included taking improv comedy classes. It helped me to get better at being present, being responsive in the moment, and getting out of my own head. And I'm not very good at this, but neither was anyone else in my level zero and level one classes. But there were the rare brief moments the beautiful moments of flow, where it all worked. Moments when we were able to be present to one another and work within whatever constraints we are given to create something. Moments when the ideas just flowed, where we could set aside that critical, judgmental part of our minds and create elaborate scenes aboard whaling ships or inventing creative robots or whatever it was. And afterwards, our instructors would ask us how we got to those moments and we would have no idea. We couldn't put it back together. There was no plan, there was no intention. Nobody said, this is how this story is gonna go and then tried to make it go. It just happened, it just flowed. Or as the Taoists might say, we connected with our natural spontaneous states. There was something in those spontaneous, intentionalist moments of holiness and wholeness. Uh, holiness and wholeness described beautifully by musician Stephen Nachmanovich, who's written a lot about improvisation and play. He writes, this whole enterprise of improvisation and life and art, of recovering free play and awakening creativity is about allowing ourselves to be true to ourselves and our visions and true to the undiscovered wholeness that lies beyond the self and the vision we have today. Those who create professionally can grow to be experts in Wu Wei. Pulitzer Prize winning novelist Jennifer Egan writes, when I'm writing fiction, I forget who I am and what I come from. I slip into utter absorption mode. 
I love the sense that I've become so engaged with the other side. I've slightly lost my bearings here. If I'm going from the writing mindset to picking up my kids from school, I often feel a very short but acute kind of depression, as if I have the bends. Once I'm with them, it totally disappears and I feel happy again. We can think of flow as something that only happens to the arts, in the arts or to artists, or in work that looks creative from the outside. But flow can be found in nearly any task if approached in the right way, if approached with creativity. And so at the, at the risk of having some moments of spontaneity, I want to invite you all to turn to a neighbor or two, and if you can, describe any of these moments of flow, of wu-wei, of spontaneity, of effortlessness, of being connected with that hidden, undiscovered wholeness. I invite you to take a few minutes and do that. invite you to take another 30 seconds to finish up your your final your thought
And I invite you to continue this conversation when the service is over. I'm going to leave you with one more story about Wu Wei or flow or spontaneity or whatever the word is you want to use to get at this idea. Um, it's from the book on flow that I, by Mihaly Chizik Smixmaly. I'm butchering his name and I apologize. I'm not good at Hungarian. But he writes, Joe Kramer was in his early 60s, a welder in a South Chicago plant where railroad cars are assembled. About 200 people worked with Joe in these huge, dark, hangar-like structures where steel plates weighing several tons move around, suspended from overhead tracks and are welded amid showers of sparks to the wheelbases of freight cars. In summer, it is an oven. In winter, the icy winds of the prairie howl through. Joe came to the United States when he was five years old and left school after fourth grade. He had been working at this plant for over 30 years, but never wanted to become a foreman. He declined several promotions, claiming that he liked being a simple welder and felt uncomfortable being anyone's boss. Although he stood on the lowest rung of the hierarchy in the plant, everyone knew Joe. And everyone agreed that he was the most important person in the entire factory. The manager stated that if he had five more people like Joe, his plant would be the most efficient in the business. The reason for his fame was simple. Joe had apparently mastered every phase of the plant's operation, and he was now able to take anyone's place if the necessity arose. Moreover, he could fix any broken down piece of machinery, ranging from huge mechanical cranes to tiny electronic monitors. But what astounded people most was that Joe could not only perform these tasks, but he actually enjoyed it when he was called upon to do them. When asked how he had learned to deal with complex engines and instruments without having any formal training, Joe gave a very disarming answer. Since childhood, he had been fascinated with machinery of every kind. He was especially drawn to anything that wasn't working properly. Like when my mother's toaster was on the fritz, I asked myself, if I were the toaster and I didn't work, what would be wrong with me? <laughs> then he disassembled the toaster, found the defect, and fixed it. Ever since, he has used this method of empathetic identification to learn about and restore increasingly complex mechanical systems. And the fa fascination of discovery has never left him. Now, close to retirement, Joe still enjoys work every day. The story continues. What Joe did at home was perhaps even more remarkable than his transformation of a mindless routine job into a complex flow-producing activity. Joe and his wife live in a modest bungalow on the outskirts of the city. Over the years, they bought up the two vacant lots on either side of the house. And on these lots, Joe built an intricate rock garden with terraces, paths, and several hundred flowers and shrubs. While he was installing underground sprinklers, Joe had an idea. What if he had them make rainbows? 
He looked for, a sprink for sprinkler heads that would produce a fine enough mist for this purpose, but none satisfied, so he designed one himself and built it on his basement lathe. Now, after work, he could sit on the back porch, and by touching one switch, he could activate dozen, a dozen sprays that turned into as many small rainbows. But there was one problem with Joe's little Garden of Eden. Since he worked most days, by the time he got home, the sun was usually too far down the horizon to help paint the water. So Joe went back to the drawing board and came back with an admirable solution. He found floodlights that contained enough of the sun spectrum to form rainbows and installed them inconspicuously around the sprinklers. Now he was really ready. Even in the middle of the night, just by touching two switches, he could surround his house with fans of water, light, and color. So on this day, when our service is focused on Wu Wei, flow, and water, let us end with the image of a house in the middle of the night, surrounded by rainbows. May it be so. May we make it so. And amen.